Welcome to today's edition of Draft Utopia. My name is Chris Ransom, and we've got a pretty brief show for you guys. This will probably be the shortest show of the entire week, and then tomorrow Brian Luis will come on to wrap up shop. But today we're going to talk about the Drew Brees story. That's probably the biggest story in sports. We'll break down the 8-9 matchups in the 2014 NHL playoff, maybe discuss the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League entry draft, and then we'll wrap that up with a Trey Lance SWAT report in our Prospect Profile series, and then after that, we're going to break down, I'll break down, not we're, I'll break down, when I say we're, I'm referring to Draft Utopia, my company. But I'm the only one on the call, so that's why it's hard to understand. But the final segment's going to involve our state of the franchise. And Cleveland Browns is the team I'll be breaking down in today's state of the franchise. Because when I came up with a list of fun segments for this podcast, I showed the list to Joey, and he immediately responded by sending me an angry emoji. Like, I busted my rear end coming, trying to come up with some fun topics and talking points for a solo podcast, and he thought the list was too complicated, it was too long, it was too scripted, so if he's going to send me an angry emoji, I'm going to talk about the Browns and give my two cents on the team. Fuck you. I come up with this list of topics... And you just disrespect me with the angry emoji. Fuck you. I'm going to I'm gonna do it. I'm going to talk about Browns and the state of the franchise. But that'll be at the very end of the show. Let's begin with the Drew Brees storyline. Drew Brees made some very controversial comments about the flag and the national anthem, how you should stand for it. That rubbed people the wrong way. And... If I say his comments didn't offend anybody, that would most definitely be an ignorant statement on my part. Because his comments did offend some people. I mean, whether he said anything racist, you can argue he said nothing racist, but at the end of the day, his comments offended people. He received tons of backlash, and then he apologized for it this morning. So, yes... That's pretty much how that played out, and it was a learning experience, so I think he feels remorse for what he said, so I'm not going to continue to talk about it like most of the talking heads in the media will, because this happened between like 2 or 3 p.m., and then it Breeze realized, oh crap, I screwed up, it's 9 a.m., he apologizes at 9 a.m. early in the morning, so yeah. And that's pretty much how that played out. So I am looking for some sports topics to discuss. I'm looking to see if there's any other news. Yeah, and the NHL teams are going to open up training facilities soon. P.K. Subban donated 50000 to George Floyd's daughter. We talked about the NBA 
format yesterday. But they're going to play at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex in Orlando. I've never seen the complex. So inside the NBA is going to return at 8 Eastern on TNT. But there's not going to be any games on. Just looking for news because I did not get the chance to do this this morning. Like look for news. All right, Chris Ransom, I'm back here. Um, so that was the opening segment that you just heard with the breaking news, all the sports news headlines. Podcasts did disconnect for a second, so that's why we're restarting. And on this note, I'm going to break down the 8-9 matchups in the NHL playoffs and the Eastern Conference is Toronto and Columbus. That's the 8-9 matchup in the Eastern Conference. 8-9 matchup in the Western Conference, I'm just... I think it's Winnipeg and Calgary. So, I'll probably take Winnipeg, and I'm going to take Toronto. Patrick Lane and Austin Matthews are from that 2016 NHL draft. And both have had outstanding careers so far. Top two picks in that draft class. And Winnipeg's a team that yeah, if they have a lot of pieces in play. They've got the forwards and the blue line. And I think if anyone was to pull an upset over a top four team among the five twelve teams, the Oilers, the Blackhawks, or the Winnipeg Jets would be the three teams in the Western Conference with the best chance to pull an upset on a top four seed. Because Winnipeg has a lot of talent. This is a team that I think made the Western Conference Finals a few years ago when... The Vegas Golden Knights um, went to the Stanley Cup. I think Winnipeg made the Western Conference Finals that year. They got a lot of underutilized talent in place. So I'd have to take the two Canadian teams. Columbus lost Bobrovsky. They're going to have a healthy Seth Jones. I get that. But they don't have Bobrovsky. And Toronto, for some reason, they're just a more complete team on paper. My best friend Kyle picked them to win the Stanley Cup before we even had the 2014 playoffs. So Toronto and Winnipeg are going to be the two teams that I'm picking to move on. And Toronto's got Marner, Austin Matthews. They got um, that former Kings defenseman, Jake Muzzin, I think. And they add him to that group of defenders, Morgan Riley, etc., etc. So the Kings just continue to lose talent while the Maple Leafs acquired that player Jake Muzzin so now you got him with all those guys in Toronto and Toronto's a team that they could push if they're the eighth seed and somebody like the Flyers gets the one seed or the Capitals gets the one seed it honestly won't shock me to see them knock off the one seed as long as they don't have to play Tampa Bay or Boston I think they can go on a bit of a run here I mean they When they had Matt Sundin and they had all those good players in the 90s, they were able to make the Eastern Conference Finals in the 98-99 season. So why can't they do it here? They lost the Sabres that year, but why can't they do it here? And really, and they had home ice in that Eastern Conference Finals. 
this team has more talent than that team, but the problem is they played tougher opponents than that 90s team. I honestly think this team, well, Matt Sundin was a great player. Pat Quinn was an awesome coach. This team has more star power than that 98-99 Maple Leafs team. And they, they've just been dealt, they've had to run in with the Bruins. They they keep facing the Bruins in the playoffs, and they keep losing the Bruins. They just can't seem to get over the Bruins. They can't seem to get that Bruins monkey off their back. So, really, that's what I'm looking at with that situation. And I do want to check out some MLB stuff, so if the show pauses or cuts me off again, we will resume the recording. Alright, so MLB rejected the 114 game proposal by the players, but it just feels like we may not even have an MLB season with the old division. Maybe they'll decide on Friday, but MLB wants a short MLB owners want the players to take a pay cut. The players don't want to take a pay cut. That's why they extended the season. And now they're saying, oh, we'll go 50 games, but we'll give players the option of playing or not. Because they just want to get something done. Both sides want to get something done, but they want the deal to be advantageous to both parties. And it, it feels like the players and the owners are negotiating, the league's negotiating. And that's why everything's kind of complicated right now as it is. The MLS, however, did come to terms with some stuff yesterday. I'll quickly open up the MLS app. Should have mentioned this in the opening news segment, but... All right, it's not opening. The MLS is not opening. I'll check out my iPhone. Check it out on my phone. All right, so I'll quickly... Um, I'm going to quickly check this out. Because they did... Yeah, well, Don Garber's optimistic about the return of this tournament, so... The last real live MLS matchup played was an instant classic. LAFC and Philadelphia Union 3-3 tie on March 8th. Throughout it all, they've looked at a new CBA being ratified. Um, plan is not finalized yet, but is expected to take the form of a tournament in Orlando. The Orlando tournament is a big thing. 
Despite the lack of supporters, the league is hoping to make the tournament a visual treat for those watching at home. I think fans, media, or players, when they see how the game's produced, they'll be impressed. The rest of 2020 is fluid. Our goal is to play the season in 2020. There is an opportunity to go even deeper, go into even deeper December than we were before. I don't think we're looking at playing any of the regular season in 2021. Possibly some playoff games, but the first choice is to complete in calendar 2020. So I don't know if they're going to do like a tournament or what they're going to do, but the MLS is making their plans to return. It feels like everybody, except the MLB, So the, the MLB's gotten rid of the MLB at bat app. And now they've got the MLB app up. That's awesome, because that's what I was hoping for. There'd be an MLB bat app instead of the MLB at bat app. So now I've got, now I can read news from all five sports leagues on my smartphone. Because before you could only use the MLB at bat app, they didn't have an MLB app where you could just read the news on your smartphone. The other big story in MLB was Chris Archer. He had um, TOS surgery. He's out for 2020. The Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher that the Pirates traded um, Austin Meadows to the Tampa Bay Rays for. He's out for the season, so Pirates losing one of their best pitchers in Chris Archer. They still have Jameson Tayon, who I really like, but... I felt like the Pirates never should have traded for Chris Archer. That was a bad decision on their part. So there's that. So we went through all the news in every one of the five professional sports. I gave you my eight, nine predictions in both conferences. So Toronto and Winnipeg move on. Let's clearly recap what teams we have, what teams I have moving on in the round of 24. So the Florida Panthers are my only upset as a 10 seed. And then I have Toronto moving on, Pittsburgh moving on, Florida moving on, and the Carolina Hurricanes moving on. So the 6 seed Hurricanes move on, the 5 seed Penguins, the 8 seed Maple Leafs, and the 10 seed Florida Panthers are my winners in the East and the West. It's Five, six, seven, eight. Five seed being Edmonton Oilers. Six seed being the Nashville Predators. Seven seed being the Vancouver Canucks. And the eight seed being the Winnipeg Jets. So, got all those teams moving on to the next round. So it's one, eight, four, five, two, six, three, seven, two, seven, three, six. Oh boy. So, 
Yeah. What that text notification was about potentially including future draft picks in a fantasy football draft. And we voted we had ten people vote on this and six voted in favor of my proposal. Now everybody's just like, nah, we're not doing this. I know Mark was on board with the idea, in theory. But it's like, this is a good idea because if you have 10 teams drafting and four out of content and only four can make the playoffs, this is beneficial to the other six teams that want to offload players for draft picks, for future draft picks. Like, let's say you get Drew Brees in the seventh round and you want to trade him for a fifth round pick. Now, we could add conditions. Yeah, because I'm trying to come up with an idea to make the league more competitive. And this is the best idea I can come up with. So, alright, on that note, I am going to get into the Trey Lance scouting report. I want to get this done, and then after that, we will, I will wrap up the show with a Cleveland Browns off, Cleveland Browns state of the franchise. 
But today, I'll be breaking down Trey Lance, and I'll have all of these up on TalkShoe on Saturday, like all the SWAT reports. You'll get Joey's take on these quarterbacks for 2021, and the rest are projected backups. I've only gone through the... I have, there's 10 quarterbacks I've scouted for 2021. I think four guys that have starting potential, and I think the other six are career backups. I really feel that way. And even if I watch these quarterbacks that are projected backups, these quarterbacks that I'm projecting as backups on tape would have to go into Mobile and wow me. They would have to go in, they'd have to earn their senior bowl invite, have a strong season, and wow me just to enter that second-round territory. I think the drop-off between the four first-round quarterbacks, Purdy, Trey Lance, Lawrence, and Fields, is that massive compared to the rest of the quarterbacks in this draft class. And that's okay. Every draft class is different. I just feel that strongly about the quarterbacks this year. But again, we haven't seen any 2021, 2020 college football action, so it's still the jury's still out there. But Trey Lance, North Dakota State, 6'3", 221. He led North Dakota State to their first 16-0 FCS season in school history as a freshman redshirt in 2019. It opens up the season in Oregon, where North... Dakota State will meet the Oregon Ducks. He went all last year without interception, so if Lance can continue that streak in Oregon, he will cement himself as a first-round quarterback, win or lose. Lance is a guy with Pro Bowl upside, but could develop into a blue-chip quarterback with another strong season at North Dakota State. Lance has the leadership, attitude, short accuracy, and medium accuracy that you want. He's got the short, medium, and deep accuracy that you want a quarterback to have, along with the arm, incredible arm strength and pinpoint accuracy by this pocket by this pocket quarterback makes Lance a special talent. One step, three step, five step, and seven step drops. He can also play in any type of offensive scheme, just like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. He can scramble and act as a dual threat just like Fields. He ran for over a thousand rushing yards, so I love his dual threat ability. He did not throw a single interception in 2019 and only lost one fumble on the season. So, his freshman redshirt season, he had one lost fumble in this opener at North Dakota State. Didn't go the rest of the season, went the rest of the season without a turnover. FCS championship was in the snow, so Lance can play in cold weather, which is some which may not be something you can say about the other three quarterbacks in this class. I saw Trey Lance make one progression and then take off and run, so the progressions need to improve, but if he can improve his progressions and still throw zero interceptions, then he's going to have a shot to be the first quarterback taken because that's really the only thing he needs to correct. And he played a lot of FCS opponents. He didn't play an FBS opponent like Oregon yet. And Fields had good players around them.
All right, so Trey Lance, he has some strengths. And Trey Lance... as a guy I mocked the Saints, but I've seen him mocked as high as number 10 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've even seen some mock drafts move in the top five. Josiah Michael Ray, who does mocks on the site, has him as QB2 in this draft. Jeremiah even said he could be QB1 in this draft, so I don't see any threats with Trey Lance. He really dominated on tape in 2019. If you go back and watch the 2019 FCS playoffs, you'll see why everyone else is a first-round grade on him. All right, so we look at Trey Lance's SWAT report. We went over everything, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. There really aren't any threats. Lance is a safe prospect, and those updates, I just keep getting updates about rule changes for our fantasy football league, but that's no big deal. Let's go into state of the franchise with the Cleveland Browns, and this is a team that, they drafted Jedrick Wills in the first round. They also drafted another potential starter in Grant Delpit. And they may have gotten a third starter.
so all right Cleveland Browns state of the franchise I'm turning my phone off I'm not dealing with these text messages people texting me while I'm trying to do a podcast should have done that the first time I should have turned off my phone but I needed my phone in order to get through the Trey Lance scouting report. So now that we got that out of the way, let's break this down. Cleveland Browns, state of the franchise. They drafted Jedrick Wills, a four-year right tackle in high school, four-year right tackle at Alabama, and they brought the same coaches that were able to get Tyron Smith to move from right tackle to left tackle. They brought those guys to coach Wills. They've got Joe Thomas coaching Wills, showing them the fundamentals on how to be blindside. And they're hoping by investing all those resources into Wills, they can get Baker Mayfield a true blindside. Because if they can get that for Baker Mayfield, the Browns, they're the third best team in this division behind Baltimore and Pittsburgh, who both have better strength of schedules than the Browns and the Bengals, which baffles me why those teams benefit after being the top two teams in the division. Those teams benefit from weaker strength of schedules while the Browns and Bengals kind of get stuck. But here's the thing. The Browns, they have enough talent to push for the seven seed in the AFC. The AFC and NFC are going to 17 playoffs, seven teams per conference. The Browns have enough talent to get the seven seed. So, that's what I'm looking at here because they're going to be the seventh seed at worst. And if not, they're a year away. They're in that, they're going to be picking outside the top 10 because they're heading in the right direction. And then by the time Ben Roethlisberger retires, the Browns have a chance to assert themselves as the number two team in this division. Assuming they can re-sign Baker Mayfield and Miles Garrett to long-term contracts. Assuming they can keep Nick Chubb. And assuming the players that are on this team that they drafted, that have done well, do not want out of Cleveland. Do not. Because they got Austin Corbett in the second round, and he couldn't win a starting job, so they got rid of him. And they had to get rid of him, because if they're going to have players that are entering contract years, and they got... Jabril Peppers, they traded him in the Odell Beckham trade. But they still have David Njoku entering a contract year. They got Austin Hooper, so they don't really need to re-sign Njoku if he doesn't perform up to par. They don't really have to bring him back after this season, so the Browns are in an interesting state. But keeping core guys like Garrett, Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, keeping those core guys... Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, keeping those players so that the team can be competitive was really going to help the Browns because Baker had a strong rookie year. Then he did a bunch of commercials and endorsements. He hasn't done any of that this offseason. He's really focused on football. So that's why there's reason to be optimistic about the Browns. But you're honestly looking at the third best team in this division until we see some turnover in Baltimore with guys they drafted like Orlando Brown, Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson. They'll re-sign Lamar Jackson, but can they bring the other two players back without any turnover, without losing any talent? Because if they can, the Ravens are going to control this division for a long, long time. Once Roethlisberger retires, that's going to 
open up the number two spot for either the Browns or the Bengals, depending on which AFC North team can keep their group of talent together without that drop-off in talent. Because that, if you can keep your core players together without losing anyone, that's going to help you. And I think with the three Heisman winning quarterbacks and Ben Roethlisberger being the healthiest he's been since 2013, that is going to make this AFC North division super competitive this season. So I don't expect the Browns to make the playoffs, but I think they will be in the hunt for the seventh seed. And if Wills plays well, yeah, they could, they got a shot at the seventh seed. I mean, Clowney turned down a $12 million deal with the Browns. One-year $12 million deal. A good deal. This Once Ben retires, I think there is a window of opportunity for the Browns, but they have to keep their core talent. They can't keep having turnover with coaches, with new GMs. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the Browns can do because I feel like they're so close to contending. But at the same time, this team, if their single injury happens, this team is right back to where they were. They're right back to being a bottom feeder in this division. And it's at the point where if the Browns win only five or six games and they're in position to get Trey Lance or Brock Purdy in the draft, they're going to draft one of those quarterbacks. That's just the bottom line of the Cleveland Browns. Because after this season, you're going to have to use your fifth-year tenders on Denzel Ward and Baker Mayfield. And that's going to cost money. You're also going to have to re-sign Miles Garrett. That's going to cost money. Najoku, you don't have to bring him back. You don't have to give him... I don't know if they... Browns use the fifth-year tender on him if they did. They'll have two good years with their tight ends. They'll have Nick Chubb through the duration of his rookie contract. So you really want to get the most out of this Browns team over the next year. This year's really your make-or-break year because all the guys you drafted, like Chubb, you're going to have to extend Chubb in the offseason. You're going to have to ex use tenders on your two first-round picks and extend Nick Chubb. Otherwise, this Browns team is going to have to reload at certain positions in the draft. They're going to have to have another big draft here where they reload. And if you don't hit on Jedrick Wills, the whole Browns team is going to fall. They might fall apart. They might have to redraft other guys, you know. that This is a business, and you have to be prepared to address those needs. And I do like Kevin Stefanski. I think he can be a good head coach. This front office surprised me when they took Wills at 10 and they had him as their top-ranked tackle in the entire draft, even ahead of guys like Andrew Thomas, who's my top tackle, and Wirfs, who's my number two tackle. So if the Browns felt that strongly about Wills, you can't fault them. So let's find out what the Browns do this, off, this upcoming season. And teams are going to be allowed to report to training camp but they're not going to be able to report to separate facilities they're going to have to practice in their own team facilities so that's the cleveland browns state of the franchise tomorrow it's a round floor discussion with brian Luis of ssaw reformed hooligans podcast and myself he's been, brian and i were on the cover zero podcast when we broke down the afc east teams um so We'll break down some stuff tomorrow, maybe draft grades. I'm going to message Brian and find out what we're talking about so we can prepare for it tomorrow. And then after that, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League draft is tomorrow night at 6.30. You can catch all the coverage for that on TalkShoe. And then Saturday, Joey and I will break down the top 10 quarterbacks in the 2021 NFL draft. So there's a lot to go discuss.
My name is Chris Ransom. You can like our Drafty, I'm the host of Draftytopia. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, connect with me on LinkedIn, um, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and go ahead and subscribe to us on BitChute as well if you want full three-hour games, big, long sporting events, no commercials, and you just want to watch scouts and guys for 2021. I'm Chris Ransom. I'm signing off. Enjoy your Thursday afternoon.